Hey everyone, you are listening to All Aboard the J Train. Yours truly, Jalen Glover. Presented by Fan Nation All Use. Please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. New episodes for season one will be released every other Friday. Welcome back to the Jalen Glover Podcast, episode three. Joined with Jalen. Hey man, how you doing, Lyric? I'm doing great. And we have an awesome guest today, Reverend France Davis. Jalen, why don't you uh, tell us how you met Reverend Davis and, and your background with him? Yeah, man. So uh, when I first when I first got up here, um, I'm really connected with uh, Pablo Cano over at the University of Utah. Been a big help for me, um, transition and everything. And uh, Pablo um, always wanted he he always was talking to me about Reverend Davis, Pastor Reverend Davis, and you know always heard good things. So as I was being recruited and coming up on um, my visits, uh, it was just one particular game, uh, the UCLA game actually this past season. Uh, got to actually meet Pastor Davis and, uh, you know, every every accolade he has and everything that I've heard, you know, you can just see it in his personality and everything that he, you know, has done for the community. It just shows really evident into everything, how he walks, how he talks. And, you know, I haven't got to know him for a long time, but just, you know, to have met him and have known him for the time I, I have been, it's just been a great experience to have someone in the community where I'm at you know, to be a great role model. So it's, it's definitely an honor. Reverend, do you have a, a preferred title you'd like to go by? I've heard Reverend, Chaplain, uh, Pastor. Just, just Reverend. Uh, I'm not a pastor anymore, so uh, I'm just a re- uh, qualified to be a pastor. Reverend. Gotcha. gotcha. And how long have you been chaplain with the team? Well, I've been the chaplain with the team for approximately 14 years. I started when... Uh, Coach Urban Myers first came to Salt Lake and then uh, worked through the uh, time with Coach Witt. And uh, now I've got, continue to enjoy being chaplain uh, with the, the uh, Utes uh, football team. Yeah, wow. that's, that's great. I'm sure you've been able to impact a lot of athletes' lives coming through the program for the past you know, decade and a half. Well, one of the real thrills is being able to see uh, these young men grow up and become uh, responsible men and also get uh, jobs in the NFL. Uh, that's been really quite exciting. That's amazing. And Pastor David, I wanted to ask you that question as well. Like, how's your experience been just being around, you know, these staff here at Utah and all these, you know, high caliber players and Everybody on the team, really, you know, how's that experience been with you being the chaplain over at the university? Well, the first thing is uh, I think I've uh, remained relatively young uh, by hanging out with the uh, team and with the players. Although I'm an old man in my middle 70s, uh, but uh, by hanging out with the uh, members of the team, uh, I can remain relatively young. It's been a great, great experience working with uh, all of the players and helping those who have special uh, needs, individual problems that they call upon me. Uh, They want to get married. They want to become a part of a community organization. Uh, They want to uh, get a bit of counseling in terms of their own personal uh, needs and growth. 
And I believe that uh, not only does one need to have academic, uh, physical, and uh, mental preparation, but one needs spiritual preparation as well. And that's my role. That's amazing. Reverend, I'd love to get a little bit of your background, where you're from and what your early childhood was like, what led you to uh, live a life of faith and be involved in, in the ministry, and then maybe some of your experiences with uh, civil rights and social justice. Well, thank you. The, uh, the first thing that I remember about my father was that he uh, prepared us every Sunday morning, although our church only met once a month, but he took us uh, after breakfast and after feeding the animals on the farm, he would take us to church. And then when we'd come home in the afternoon from church, uh, he, with his third grade education, would spend the time uh, reading to us passages from the Bible. So it all started there. Uh, I grew up in the church. Uh, he used to ask for volunteers during Sunday school time. And of course, the only kids that were there to volunteer were the Davis children. And uh, they tended to look to me as the example. When I, uh, 50 years ago, uh, decided that I had been called by God to become a uh, minister, uh, to lead other people in terms of their spiritual lives. And I got uh, licensed and then ordained and attended uh, uh, school to uh, get my master's of ministry and religious degrees, uh, and then came to the University of Utah, 1972. Uh, after coming to the university in 1972, 1974, I became pastor of the historic, uh, the oldest uh, predominantly African-American uh, Baptist church in the state of Utah and served there for some 46 years as pastor of that congregation. Now, in terms of my experience uh, with Dr. Martin Luther King, I was a student at Tuskegee uh, during the 1960s. And during the 1960s, as you know, the uh, march from Selma to Montgomery uh, took place. It was a voting rights march designed to help uh, the citizens of uh, Selma, Alabama, to be able to register and to be able to then cast their vote. And so I was one of those students who helped to lead the march uh, along with John Lewis and others uh, during the 1965 march. Uh, after that, I got kicked out of college because I was marching so much. <laughs> and so interestingly, I got a nice letter from the dean telling me not to come back the next year. And so I didn't go back. But if you were African-American, one of the things that was guaranteed is that if you got kicked out of school, you would get a letter, letter from um, uh, Uncle Sam. And Uncle Sam would invite you to serve in the military. And those were during the Vietnam days. I didn't want to be on the ground in the Army or the Marines. So I made a deal with the Air Force recruiter. 
and the night uh, that I got my letter from Uncle Sam, uh, he placed me in the Air Force and I served four years uh, in the Air Force in and out of Vietnam, of course, but not on the ground, uh, keeping aircraft in the air. So uh, I have a lot of experience with the civil rights issues. Uh, I've traveled uh, widely uh, to other countries as well as here in the United States of America. And I've been active in bringing about some of the changes that have occurred here in Utah. We also had to get bills passed in the legislature, fair housing bills. My first experience in Utah was that the university sent me places to uh, possibly rent, and I rented one of them only to show up and have the landlord tell me uh, not here. Uh, and I'm not sure of, uh, why he told me yet uh, not here, but he wouldn't let me move in. So we got a fair housing bill passed. Later on, we got a Martin Luther King holiday bill passed. Uh, Mrs. King came to Salt Lake to help us because the first year we were unsuccessful in getting the bill passed. Uh, later on, uh, we got a streak six south named Martin Luther King Boulevard. And it's more recently uh, become uh, a street that is well known uh, because of its quality of life that uh, the people who live on Martin Luther King Boulevard. And it comes all the way up to almost to the university, to the uh, uh, Unitarian Church. And there you can find Martin Luther King Boulevard. There's some amazing experiences. And I think when you're talking about the marches, those were for voting rights. And they had other marches for things like segregation. And it seems like it's just a pattern that every so many years, there's a new topic that needs to be addressed to improve equality and civil rights. And that's still going on today that it's not perfect yet. You know, some things have been changed and improved a lot due to, to your credit and others like you. Um, but the job's not finished yet. The job is not finished. And in fact, this uh, year alone, uh, we've had the conflict with policemen. Uh, I'm uh, an old man, as I suggested earlier, and was not able to physically march, but I could give advice to the young people who were out there uh, pushing and, and making sure that people understood that we would not stand for mistreatment by the police. And yeah. so the mayor, as a result of that, appointed me to her commission on uh, racial and ethnic rights within the police department. I wanted to ask you, obviously you have a lot of experience working with the athletes more recently, but I know from the 60s, I've, I'm a bit of a athletic historian. I know a lot about the, the involvement of Bill Russell, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Muhammad Ali, Jim Brown, back in the 60s, and that's still going on today with athletes. Talk to me about the importance that you think athletes can have with their influence in improving civil rights. Well, I think among the high-profile people within our communities are the people who play various athletic games, those who are track stars, those who play basketball, those who play football, and they all 
can become good role models and examples for other young people and show them uh, how to make the change in terms of their lives and be the quality person uh, that they really want to be. Yeah, And that's really what Juneteenth is all about, as well as the athletes like Jalen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reverend, I wanted to, you know, to venture back to when uh, we talk about your experiences as going through those trial and times, as well as, you know, how do you feel, how far we've came um, with, you know, speaking out on our rights as African-American, you know, we are here where we are today. Well, we have come a, a major long ways in terms of bringing about positive change. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have the laws on the books. We have uh, people who are walking beside us that are not looking like us. And uh, we have people like those uh, like Lyric and Cole on this program that are helping to bring about a more positive uh, aspect of the African-American uh, life. That's what uh, Carter G. Woodson was doing when he started Black History uh, Week uh, day uh, later on a month in February, is he was trying to show the positive uh, reports. And we made lots and lots of changes by changing the laws and getting things written down. What we still have to do, however, is we still have a lot to do in terms of changing attitudes. People who have uh, bad and negative attitudes toward people that are different than they uh, still tend to have those. And we've got to uh, work uh, overtime to change some of those attitudes. When I look back at you know the civil rights movement in the 60s, that was only about 60 years ago now. And to see where we were at there and what life is like now and the, and the vast differences, it's major. Do you think that as generations, you know, as we get, you know, further separated from those times naturally, you know, with the efforts combined with that, do you think in future generations, the attitudes will change and those old ways will kind of fade into the past? I think the attitudes will change as we move along if we do not forget where we've come from. And unfortunately, that's one of the problems that I see currently is that we are fast forgetting that it used to be that illegal for me, a person that looked like me to read and write. It Mm -hmm. used to be illegal to have new textbooks, to ride on new buses, to go to uh, schools that were integrated. It was illegal, but all of that has changed. And if we don't forget that that's where we come from with uh, slavery and then segregation and separation and all of that sort of thing, then we can uh, make the changes for the future that we really need. I think that's a good segue to talk about Juneteenth coming up here in just a couple of days. That celebrates uh, the, the emancipation of slavery. And that, yes. that was in 1865, 2021, and it just became a federal holiday. Well, it it actually started in 1863 when President uh, Abraham Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation Mm -hmm. and declared that all of the slaves in places that were part 
of the Confederacy in rebellion against the country, uh, all of the slaves in those areas would be set free. It took two and a half years before the people in Galveston, Texas found out, and they found out by, by General Gordon uh, Granger bringing soldiers and telling them, hey, you guys are free. You've been free for two and a half years. And now it's taken over a hundred more years and we still have issues that we have to work out. Yeah. So that's what Juneteenth is all about. It's only uh, 2021 that Juneteenth becomes a national holiday. African-Americans have been celebrating Juneteenth, Jubilee Day, uh, Freedom Day, Emancipation Day, Independence Day for way back uh, 1866. Mm. But for us as a country to make that a national holiday for all of the peoples of our country it, until 2021. Yeah. So uh, we can still make changes. Yeah, also, Reverend Davis, um, this is, you know, this is my first time up here in Salt Lake uh, during Juneteenth. And I didn't know if you knew about any activities or what are some of the things that go on around this time up here in Salt Lake? Well, Juneteenth has been celebrated here in Utah for many years, ever since I've been here. And uh, both in Ogden and in Davis County and in Salt Lake. And so there are different events that are held. Some of them are held at the churches, others are held at, in the parks. Uh, Betty Sawyer is head of the NAACP in Ogden and used to be a counselor at the University of Utah for students, but now she heads the NAACP in Ogden and she leads the movement uh, to celebrate Juneteenth in a variety of ways. So this year, you can expect that there'll be events held in Salt Lake City, events held around Hill Air Force Base, and events held in Ogden that will call people's attention to Juneteenth here in the state of Utah. Uh, interestingly, Utah has been one of the places that has celebrated Juneteenth for many years. Uh, not just that it becomes a federal holiday, but for many years in the past. That's amazing. Jalen, growing up, were you very aware of Juneteenth? Did your family celebrate it? And what does it mean to you now that it's a, a federal holiday? Yeah, growing up, um, we, we actually did. Um, it was more of a, like uh, internal. We, we uh, speak about it because, you know, growing up younger, I, I wasn't really always introduced outside of home. So I just felt like those were internal conversations. But as I got older and now being out here, I just, you know, now learning in school as well as seeing it on television and doing my own research. You know, I just feel it's so important to always bring, you know, matters that's are important, especially into like my race, I'm African American, and to see other people, not just of the same color as me, but, you know, all people. And I think I was, you know, the whole point because I don't feel like, you know, I feel like sometimes, you know, you know, we get the outer pain. Like we, you know, as African-American, we just try to focus in on ourselves. But it's really that we just want to come as like a community. You know, we want to have everyone of every color just to understand and embrace, you know, our history. 
but we don't want to just do it with the people of our skin color. We want to embrace it to the world. So mm-hmm. I just really feel like, you know, we continue to make these holidays or we continue to just make our black history important. It's just really big because as you grow older, you want to tell your kids or your kids and tell your kids. So we can come out of that generational curse and just always just embrace. Yeah. Uh, and Jalen makes some uh, great points with that, because I would remind us that we've got to pass things on from one generation to the other. And only to the degree that we're successful in passing it on from one generation to the other do we get people of all sorts. We are all in the boat together is so, uh, one way to think about it. Black, white, red, Brown, we're all in this boat together. And if one group of people sinks because the boat is leaking on one end, then the whole boat is going down and everybody is going to be affected. Mm. Uh, when I go to the hospital to, uh, for treatment, uh, I have to pay a little extra because of the people who don't have medical insurance. When I go to the grocery store, I have to pay a little more uh, for my groceries, because uh, there are people who cannot afford uh, to buy groceries. Uh, whatever the issue is, uh, I have to uh, do a little bit more because there are people who are not as well off as uh, I am or as athletes are or as any of you are. Yeah. One thing I just thought of when you're using the boat analogy Another way to think about it is if only one side of the boat's rowing and trying to move forward and progress, you're just going to be spinning in circles, right? In fact, when I, when I go to the legislature and raise a particular issue, as I do every year, uh, mm-hmm. they always uh, point to me and say, there he is again, complaining about something. But if I can take along with me uh, people who are different than me, people whose issue it is not. Uh, then I can get a better response uh, from that because everybody is rowing then uh, as the boat analogy goes in the same direction. Yeah. Jalen, you talked earlier about um, trying to create those traditions for Juneteenth. Tell me if you guys have thought about this parallel between Juneteenth and the 4th of July, obviously both celebrating independence in, in a form, 4th of July celebrating this country's independence from England, having our own laws and regulations and not being taxed without representation. That was a big part of it. But like Jalen was saying, we want everyone to celebrate the 4th of July and be unified in this country. Similarly, I think Juneteenth can create its own traditions and celebrations. Like certain ways that we celebrate 4th of July is like fireworks, barbecue, grilling out at the beach. What are the ways that people celebrate Juneteenth? Some of the ways that we have celebrated Juneteenth in the past and continue to do is by having major celebrations. Uh, we have barbecues, we have family reunions. Uh, we gather and uh, listen to storytelling uh, by the old men uh, sharing. Uh, they are as interesting as any television character would be to listen at those stories being those kind of traditions we ought to pass on from one group of people to another. Just as the celebrations of July 4th was with the fireworks, just as everything he was saying, we just come together as a 
as one. Like we all come together to have a good time. You know, like you say, listen to stories because in those little story times where you hear the old men in the family or the old friends, like those are teaching you history of like why we're here, you know, because it, mm-hmm. it comes to the one where we're laughing and joking and you're partying, but you know, you have those sit down moments where you all sit down and actually listen because, you know, the story could be funny or the story can be as serious as it can be. Any of those things you can take away and learn something that you didn't know about your own history. So it doesn't, it doesn't act as say you have to throw a huge big party, but those, I feel like those little story times are, for me, that was most important to me knowing my history and why things are where they are and why things happen the way they happen. So, um, yeah, those those holidays of Juneteenth is just, you know, sometimes it's just not just in June. You know, you, you're you doing, you're celebrating. Like, I feel like ho- holidays are just specific days and time, but I feel like the real ones are all, you know, it's, it never ends because those those conversations should continually happen. And it just doesn't have to be when you're celebrating Juneteenth. Like, it can be any time. That's another parallel that you can draw to Christmas. You know, Christmas for a lot of kids, it's about Santa and presents and the Christmas tree and cookies. But then when you get down to the true meaning of Christmas, I remember my grandpa used to bring the whole family together and we read from the Bible. We, we would read Luke chapter two and he would tell us the story of Jesus Christ's birth. And he'd say, this is the real meaning of Christmas, but you guys, you know, you're going to have fun with your presents and all that stuff. And similarly with the 4th of July and other holidays, we have fun with the fireworks, but let's not forget the true meaning of it. It's a great opportunity to tell those stories and to have people like Reverend Davis and others that were actively involved in these movements that were created great change in the 60s and other generations. What an opportunity for your generation, Reverend Davis, to tell us those stories that we can pass on. Indeed, indeed. And we cannot forget those stories. We have to pass them on to the next generation so that they can be able to tell them. That's the way Alex Haley wrote uh, the book Roots, uh, is from stories that he heard being told when he was just a little boy. Uh, That's the way Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. got started, is he heard the stories at his own home, heard them at his own church, and then he passed them on to the next generation uh, through the movement. Other great ways to keep the stories alive. Some of my favorite movies are or movies about the abolition of slavery, stories about Harriet Tubman that movies have been made out of. There's a, there's a lot of movies that are really great films that keep those stories alive and that can portray them to younger generations in, in entertaining ways. Exactly. Unfortunately, we, we've been through these times, but I have to say, like, for the perspective of, you know, knowledge, like, we can speak to the generation after us or, you know, the, you know, the younger kids under us because we've experienced some of these things and we can talk and, you know, these, everything that we've been going through and the nation has been seeing, like, I don't, I don't want, you know, my people to, you know, take it like it isn't anything because this is things you can tell and make sure like Reverend has been saying for the longest to continue to keep having things down because the more knowledge, the better. And, and I think that's one of the roles that athletes can help us with because they are so popular and everybody wants to associate with them, then they can tell some of those stories and pass it on and people will believe, understand them and grasp those stories and hold on to them. Uh, And people like Jalen can not only perform on the field, but also perform 
and the one-to-one when they get together for Juneteenth or for whatever the family uh, get-together and celebration is. Mm -hmm. Reverend, I wanted to ask you about the state of Utah. You became a a pastor at Calvary Baptist Church in 1974, is that correct? That's right. You've been in Utah for a long time. How have you seen the state progress as far as social justice, but also things like diversity? Well, I've watched uh, Utah change positively uh, for many years uh, during the earliest, earliest administration when uh, Governor Rampton was governor. But I watched the changes that occurred on the state level. I watched the changes that occurred in terms of our city. I watched a number of people who came for the 2002 Olympics and uh, observed how uh, many of them uh, decided that this was not a bad place to be alive uh, and to live in. And so uh, Utah has been changing for the good uh, for all of those years. It's great to hear. Jalen, what have you noticed about Utah since you've been there this short time? Yeah, man, it's just, you know, just to go off warm around every day, just to see the diversity in the locker room. You know, we have people from all different backgrounds, all different parts of the country. You know, you know, we got Polynesian, we got white, black, Asian, and we got guys that's coming from on the team that's all the way from Japan and coming here to play ball. Like I and how just in, inside the team, how we take everybody in and we embrace everybody's culture. Um, just being here in Utah, being around, you know, this is my first time being around LDS and like more of a different religion that's, you know, broader and more talked about in the community. Mm-hmm. And even being with those people, just learning that, okay, Mormon people aren't scary. And then, you know, knowing about the black community and going into churches to where I feel like I'm back at home, you know, it's just, I just feel like in this short amount of time, I've just understood like how great the state of Utah is, you know, and this is like, I mean, I don't blame like what Reverend was saying, like why people come out here and don't want to go home because I don't want to go home. You know, it's it's so great out here and I met so many good people and, you know, I just, I just, I'm excited. I'm a Utah youth, but I'm just excited that I stay in the state as well. Wait till it starts snowing, then you might want to go home. Okay. Well, go, go home, go I, home I to gonna... visit, go home to visit, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, uh, don't, sure. don't. Uh, I know, I know I need to go home to visit. <laughs> after the season, like when I get old, probably in October through January, February, because I was up here in January and I, I felt, I felt the snow. Yeah. Reverend, if you could just leave us here with some words of advice, some words of action that we can use, that anyone listening can do to help promote change and improvement in our culture and society. Well, I would leave us with the words that all of us matter. Uh, Black lives matter, but every life has its uh, matter, and uh, it matters in its importance. So we need to learn to respect one another, to appreciate one another, to acknowledge one another, and then to celebrate with each other. Juneteenth, I heard a lady say today that that's that Black holiday. Well, it's Uh, not just a Black holiday. It's a holiday for everybody to join in and celebrate. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, we all must remember that we are in the boat of life together. And that unless we are rowing in the same direction, 
trying to achieve the same goals, then we will not get anywhere with what we're trying to do. So let's do it together. That's great. Thank you so much, Reverend. It's been a pleasure to talk to you for this time. My pleasure. Uh, good to see all four of you, uh, Cole, Lyric, and uh, Jalen. Uh, God bless and keep you all. And let's uh, remember that the whole person has value. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Thank Jalen. Sir, no problem, man. Hey, y'all have a good day. Hey, everyone, to conclude, thanks for listening to All Aboard the J Train, the Jalen Glover podcast presented by Fan Nation, All Youths. This episode was produced by Lear Clark and Cole Bagley. Please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you enjoyed the show, please share with a friend. Go Youths.